I'm Pastor Dan, I'm the children's pastor here, and we are all about helping all the way from the smallest ones up to our fifth graders to disciple them. And we are disciple makers, and we are so happy to share the message with these children, whatever level that they're on, to hopefully encourage them with that message to come to faith and then to grow in Christ, to learn to obey their parents and to learn to obey God. And we are so in love with children. And if you would like to join us on our team, we really need some people to join us in discipling these children. So uh, if you would like to do that, just go to events.dscchurch.com and sign up, and we'll connect with you and share with you on how you can be a disciple maker with us. We're in the stories of faith. If you want to, please open to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. But to start, uh, for the children that are here, children, if I could have your attention for just a second, uh, you're not going to like zoom out right now, okay? So this is what this weekend is all about, kids. July 4th, 1776. So children that are here, what is that day called? Anybody? You know what it's called? What did you say, Michelle? July 4th. July 4th. Yeah, July 4th. This is July 4th weekend. Wow, that's it. Today's the third, tomorrow's the fourth, holiday, we get the day off. What is the day officially called? Okay, adults helped you out there. Independence Day, Independence Day. Today and tomorrow, this weekend, we celebrate our independence, that we as a new nation wanted to pull away from England, wanted to start our own country, and that we were going to be dependent upon God for that. Now, some of you adults might, you know, oh, kids should have got that one. Well, here we go. This one's for you. A little bit more difficult. September 17th, 1787. September 17th, 1787. What was that day? What was it? Yes, this was uh, the signing of our Constitution, 17, uh, September 17, 1787. In that document, we also wanted to declare that we were pulling away, but wanted to be dependent upon God. So uh, that day, the Constitution was signed. How many of you knew that? Just didn't want to say, okay. Here is a little bit harder one. That was like 11 years later. Now we're going to, in our minds, go back in time. Okay, this is the last one. This is the last one. Go back in time about 150 years. November 11th, 1620. What document was signed on November 11th, 1620? The Mayflower Compact. And some of you have already learned that if you want to cheat, you look at the back screen and you can see what's coming up next. 
The Mayflower Compact. All right. Not that that answer was a cheating. But in the Mayflower Compact, we are reminded that, you know, the separatists from England did not have the freedom to worship as they wanted. They headed to Holland. They had some freedom there. They were able to worship. But there, they were losing some of their identity as a people. So they wanted to go to somewhere where they could keep both the freedom to worship and the freedom to be who they were as Englishmen. So they uh, hired the ships, the Speedwell, the Mayflower. The Speedwell wasn't going to make it. They all piled into the Mayflower. They got a late start and they headed over to Virginia. They did not make it to Virginia. They were pushed up north, or north of Virginia and ended up in Plymouth. There in Plymouth, they found out, oh, our official documents to be in Virginia are not good. What are we going to do? Uh, William Brewster, the pastor, hey, yay, go pastors, the pastor of the group wrote the document, we believe, and they signed it, and they said, we are still dependent upon God, but we want to support the individuals. The individuals are going to work together to start a new colony. And back to the boys and girls. Boys and girls, who's answering this question? Boys and girls, what do we usually call this 1620 group? Come on, boys and girls, what do we call them? Adults? The pilgrims, the pilgrims, all right. We'll help them out. And in just a minute, I'm going to ask, uh, when you think about pilgrim, what do you think about? Uh, so pilgrims. And when I first thought about this uh, concept of pilgrims and Hebrews chapter 11, because really, Hebrews chapter 11 is about those that are not where they're supposed to be yet. They're looking forward, and that's exactly what the pilgrims were. They had left their own land, coming to a new land to establish a new home. That's the pilgrims. I thought about this little chorus, and I know this chorus backwards and forward, but I have found out that many people do not know this chorus. This world is not my home. Just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Do anyone, does anyone recognize that chorus? Raise your hand. My daughter's in the back. Yes, thank you. A few others. All right. Sing it with me if you want. Learn it if you want. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And it keeps going and going and going, and it's a fun chorus. But in Hebrews chapter 11, it's really about pilgrims. Look at verse number 1. It says, verse number 1, Now faith is the assurance, love that word, it's like surety. Faith can be sure. And that doesn't kind of go together, does it? Faith is kind of like fuzzy and not sure. 
Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So, in the rest of the chapter, we talk about examples of this, the heroes of faith, those that had assurance of things that were going to come, they were convinced, absolutely convinced, that they would happen. So, as I work with the kids, I often, as before they're leaving, before you parents come and pick them up, I say, now boys and girls, when your parents, when your grandparents pick you up and they ask you, what was our lesson about? This is what I want you to say. And I remind them, the lesson is about this. So, today, when the service is over and you go out and someone says, hey, what was the message about? This is what I want you to take away. Let's repeat it together. Faith focuses forward. Just you men with me. Faith focuses forward. Let's see if you women can do better. Oh, man, you add a little competition to it, and it just goes right off. Faith focuses forward. All right. Now, that's pretty simple. Three words, three Fs, the focus of Hebrews chapter 11. And that will help you. And it's much easier than this. I learned this little jingle when I was 10 years old. I went with my oldest sister and her boyfriend at the time to Farrell's Ice Cream Parlor in downtown Phoenix. I think it was Christown. And you go to the ice cream parlor, and if you can say their jingle, they offered you free red rope licorice. If you could memorize that and say it, all right? So, Farrell's features fabulous food and fantastic fountain fantasies for frolicking, fun-filled, festive families. For 50 years, I have had that jingle in my brain. And guess, did I get my red rope licorice? Yes, I certainly did. I certainly did. But that's a much harder thing to remember than what? Faith. Oh, that was weaker. The ladies did better on their own. Here we go, one more time. Yes, and faith, as James brought out in his message, it's not a blind faith. It is really based on important things. First of all, it's based on the promises, the promises of God that he has made, you know, to his people. And he said, this is what's going to happen. And based on my character, that I am true and that I'm real and that I will not lie, I will accomplish what I have said, those promises support our faith. Faith focuses forward, and it's based on the promises of God. But the difficulty about Hebrews 11 is that it, it is supposed to see the unseen. That kind of doesn't make sense, right? How am I supposed to see the unseen? Well, let me clarify, because John, in 1 John helps us to remember some of the difference between, you know, sight and faith. John begins the first epistle with this. What was from the beginning, 
what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have beheld and our hands handled concerning the word of life. John is talking about Jesus. The reality of living with Jesus, hearing him teach, seeing him and the things that he did, experiencing life with him, you know, the hugs and the the challenges and, you know, being together. John heard, he saw, he tangibly felt Jesus, and his faith was based on that reality. Hebrews 11, these people, they don't have that. They hear, they see, they touch, but it's not the Jesus like John had the opportunity to do that. So we're going to look at that, and we're going to look at faith from Hebrews chapter 11. But first of all, a little reminder. Remember, the book of Hebrews, whole book, now, not Hebrews 11, the whole book was written to believers, people who had a relationship with God through Jesus. And a lot of reminders on the aspects of that that we have already looked at, written to believers. And it's also the the idea that Jesus is better. Jesus provides a better sacrifice. He instituted a better covenant. His blood is better, sufficient blood for what we need. And as an associate pastor, as I was first starting in Brighton, Colorado, my wife and I, we didn't make much money in this little church. But God raised up quite a few different people at different times. But one family in particular, Jerry and Mary Jane Harding, they're now with the Lord. But they would come and help us as a family. Uh, One time, they came and they said, Dan, you cannot keep doing diapers by hand. (laughs) We had twins. We had uh, Susanna and Jesse. No dollar expected. And he said, we're going to buy you a washer and dryer, and we are also going to provide diapers for you, disposable diapers, until these children are grown. It was a wonderful blessing. Well, Jerry... He ran a trucking company called Better Trucking. And his slogan was, better than the best, better trucking. And that's really what Hebrews is about. No matter what concept you can think of as far as our relationship with God, Jesus is better. Better than the sacrifice, better blood, better relationships, and it all comes through Jesus. Now, when, um, when I mentioned pilgrims, what did you think about? Thanksgiving? You know, black and white outfits? Maybe you're a Western fan and you thought about John Wayne. I can't do the accent very well, but you're probably already thinking of it. You can hear it in your mind. Well, in Hebrews 11, we learn about pilgrims, and Brother Blaine, 
he calls me sometimes the wanderer here at church. As you can tell, I just, you know, get a little restless. And I'll, my office is up there and upstairs, and I'll just get a little anxious. I need to move around a little bit. So I'll come down, and I'll walk the steps over here. I'll go down to the office and talk with the other staff members there for just a minute. Wanderer. My home is the office, my computer, studying, organizing, all the things that, that I do. But when I'm away, I'm a, a stranger, a foreigner, a wanderer. And that's really what these in Hebrews 11 are. You know, you can think about uh, Enoch. And as I think about Enoch, my mind goes to the ungodliness all around Enoch. I remember the message Pastor Steve preached about uh, Jude 14 through 16. And there is one of the most ungodly verses of the Bible because it talks about all the ungodliness around Enoch. He did not fit in there. He was trying to have a relationship with God and walk with God, but everything around him seemed ungodly. The people, the families, individuals, but he wanted to walk with God. He was not at home in that culture. We can sometimes feel that way, can't we? Everything that's going on around us, the ungodliness, it makes us feel very uncomfortable. Then, of course, there's Abraham. Abraham had his home, but God says, you're going to leave. You are going to become a great nation. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to give you a land, and you are going to be a spiritual blessing to everyone. Abraham was an alien, a foreigner. Think about him as a pilgrim. But then in verse uh, 13, it's kind of a, a question mark verse, if you think about it. Because it says, all these spoken of so far, Abel, Enoch, Abraham, Noah, Sarah, all these died in faith without receiving the promises. Whoa! Hold the boat! I thought God was a promise-keeping God. He is. But keep reading. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. They were right there in front of them. They could see them. They were assured that they would happen. But they were just, just out of reach. And having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. It's kind of like what we have as we look at these pilgrim patriarchs. Verses 20, 21, and 22. As we look at Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. So verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. The idea is that Isaac knew that he was going to bless his sons based on the things that were going to happen shortly after he was gone. He looked forward and was confident that those things would happen. So he gave Jacob and Esau the blessing. Verse 21, by faith, looking forward, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top 
of his staff. So Joseph brings his sons to Jacob for the blessing. Joseph brings two sons, Manasseh, the son of the right hand, the firstborn, and Ephraim. <clears throat> and as Joseph brings those sons to Jacob, he has them lined up so that the right hand of Jacob will go on Manasseh. The left hand will go on Ephraim, and they will receive his blessing. Remember, Jacob is dying. Maybe he can't see. But he realizes what's going on, and he knows, maybe by direct revelation from God, that Ephraim is going to be the firstborn in reality. So in that blessing, he switches his hands so that his right hand goes to Ephraim, his left hand goes to Manasseh. He still receives the blessing, but it's not the blessing of the firstborn. Then we get to verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Now you can probably think about all the things that happened in Joseph's life and go back to some of those things. If not, that's okay. I want to point out a couple things. By faith, focusing forward, it says Joseph when he was what? When he was what? When he was dying. And folks, this is very real to me. I, I remember my father as a very active, strong, uh, mentally acute man. And a couple weeks before he passed, he was having trouble playing rummy with me. And I had to help him. But it was a joy time, joyous time to be together. So I saw the, the deterioration of my father. And if at this point you can think about Joseph, because it says Joseph when he was dying, think about that. When I spoke with my father in the days leading up to his passing to heaven, he could barely talk. So now Joseph, I can just picture him, maybe in a gravel voice, maybe in a whisper, he wants to make something very clear to his family. And as he sees forward, what does he see? He sees, he made mention of what? The exodus. Joseph knows that the children of Israel are not going to stay in Egypt. God is going to lead them out and lead them into the promised land. Based on his confidence, his assurance that God will do that, he makes his family promise, do not leave my bones here. Take them with you. And they promised. We know they promised because years later, Moses, the plagues have happened. Pharaoh has kicked them out of the land and he says, go, get out, leave. And in the, the, the rush of getting ready to go, they're, they're gathering what they can collect quickly, and they're getting ready to go. And Moses is like, ah, who's got Joseph's bones? <laughs> We've got to take Joseph with us. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. 
For he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones from here with you. Moses did his part. Moses passes away. Joshua takes over. Joshua and the children of Israel are conquering the land. Joshua is in the last days of his life. And we read, Now they buried the bones of Joseph, which the sons of Israel brought up from Egypt at Shechem, and the piece of ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor. Finally, finally, Joseph's bones are at rest. What does it mean to live as a pilgrim? Just a few things. First of all, from verse 2, Hebrews makes it very clear that when you live by faith as a pilgrim, trusting in the promises of God, seeing the unseen, that gains God's approval. And that comes up quite a few times in the book of Hebrews. If we do this, God will bless you and you will get that blessing. If you do the wrong things, that blessing, not heaven, that blessing, the rewards, will be withheld. So when we live as pilgrims, we gain God's approval. Enoch's life certainly gained God's approval. God saw him, God saw the difference in his life, and God said, come on up, be with me. And God took Enoch home. From Abraham's life, Abraham lived as a pilgrim, and we might miss it, but it's pretty simple. We teach the boys and girls By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. Boys and girls, you should obey your parents, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And are we children too, adults? Absolutely, we're children of God, and we should obey Him. We should listen to Him. We should follow Him. And overall, our life, we should be walking with Him, Abraham saw from a distance. Abraham looked forward, not backwards. Man, I am a creature of habit. I like things the same. I like, you know, uh, regular things. Uh, And it's easy to stay where you are rather than make huge, big changes. But Abraham was willing to look away from where he was to where God was was leading him. Living living as a pilgrim also can bring tremendous challenges. God asked Abraham, sacrifice your son, your only son Isaac. And he was willing. And that's a hard thing to do. Now if we change that from what does it look like to live as a pilgrim for to what does it mean for me to live as a pilgrim? We can ask some simple questions like, well, is this decision pleasing to the Lord? Am I walking with God? Am I obeying? Probably the more difficult one for many of us is waiting. It's so hard to wait. We want things to happen now or quickly. We need to see movement. We don't like to wait upon God. And when we don't wait upon God, sometimes we force the issue And we get all off track. Am I embracing change? I talked about that. It's hard. Am I trusting through the difficult? Overall, what is my attitude? 
Am I so confident in my God? Is my faith based on His promises so that I can trust Him to lead me and guide me and I can simply obey and do what He has said? By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Joseph certainly wanted to be sure that his bones ended up in the promised land. For us, let's change that a little bit. And I want to make sure that you guys are challenged with the fact that this earth should not be your hope of a final resting place. We need to make sure that we end up in our heavenly home by believing in Jesus, His death and resurrection for our sins. You know, Jesus told His disciples, He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be also. Folks, on this earth, we are pilgrims. The place that God wants us to be is with Him in heaven. Thomas was there, and he was not getting it. So he said, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? So Jesus just spelled it out. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The way we have a relationship with God and become part of his family and a home in heaven is by believing in Jesus. And what we celebrated here tonight, today, his death and resurrection for our sins. And if you've not made that decision, you need to make that decision today. Because we are pilgrims and we need to look forward to that place where we're going to be with God forever. Now, the Mayflower Compact, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, Those documents all made it very clear that we as a nation wanted our dependency to be upon God. Let's not forget that as a nation. Our dependency must be upon God. And as we think about Hebrews chapter 11, our faith in the promise-keeping God as we see the unseen, our faith must focus forward on how God is going to work and use us. So folks, I'm so thankful that we can share together. Don't forget, as you leave today, when your family asks you, what was the message about? What are you going to say? Faith focuses forward.